All right, folks, this show is sponsored by Anchor. A while back, we switched over to Anchor as our hosting platform for Panel to Panel. And to be honest, it's actually been one of the best experiences we've had when it comes to hosting our podcast. A lot of people think making a podcast is super difficult, but Anchor actually allows you to record and edit your podcast all on your phone if that's what you want to do. Anchor even helps you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places like that. That way you can get your podcast to a wide audience of different people. And the best part about it, it's totally free. So go ahead, check out Anchor.fm, or download the Anchor app on your phone or through the App Store or the Google Play Store and check it out today. Now let's turn the page and get to this week's episode of Panel to Panel. What's going on, good people of the internet? It is time for OnComicsGrounds.com flagship podcast, panel to panel, where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such. We are back once again, once again, with a brand new episode for you good folks, where we are going to be talking about comic books and whatever else we want to talk about. Uh, but before we do, please make sure that you subscribe and listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube, Overcast, Podcast Public, all those great things, except for SoundCloud. We don't support SoundCloud. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to hear back from iHeartRadio, but I still have not heard back from them. But in the meantime, you can check us out on all those services. Please make sure you review us on Apple Podcasts. That way people can find us easier. And you can follow us on Twitter at PTP underscore podcast and check out the website on Comics Ground on Twitter and Instagram at on Comics Ground. And check out the website on dash comics dash ground dot com on uh, the web. Bro, the, every, web? the web well because well, i said on i was not thinking and i'm like the web and you can check out all of our reviews Circa 1998 i know right <laughs> we can check out all of our reviews and solicitations and previews that we post every weekday for you good folks and uh that, that's all that's all the housekeeping but uh let's get into our cast here uh, my name is james portis to my left we have the afro man who is officially liberated and has, has moved out uh, and starting out on a new chapter we have travis tucker how you doing today uh feeling pretty good man it was really cathartic but i am tired physically but it's whatever all right all right and then we have the woman who is very excited about what we are going to be talking about today and made an impressive outline, might I add. Mary, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I figured oh. I figured my, my second topic for this would be better. Instead of making both of you sit through 16 years of runaways. And man, I'm good until Whedon. I, I would have did it. I swear. I was good until Whedon. And then I fell off of runaways. I was there from the beginning and then just dropped. So I'd have been down for it. I mean, we, we had to, like, make Travis read a couple trades, but that would have been easy. No, no, no. I'm talking about starting from BKB and going all the way to Rowell. All 16 years. <laughs> I mean, it would have been nice to reread A-Force, but, like... Eh, except, secret, uh, secret, except uh, Secret Wars, because that just doesn't count. 
Oh, yeah, no, let's make no. <laughs> okay, well, as you saw from our Twitter feed, uh, that we are going to be talking about who should be the current Wolverine. Um, y- y'all can kiss my ass, that's how I feel. Because back in the day, we had the amazing event uh, written by Charles Soule, The Death of Wolverine, where Logan took his final breaths as he was covered in liquid amantium. And he finally met his end after decades of existing. And as all new, all different Marvel kicked into gear, his clone slash daughter, uh, Laura Kinney, was given the mantle of Wolverine. And for all intents and purposes, most people were, were okay with this. She had been around for, 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 a, for about a decade now or so. People had, had accepted her. And we were good. But... The hell, we even got an extra Logan to come in in the form of Old Man Logan by Jeff Lemire, and, it, and people accepted that too. But for whatever reason, someone decided to bring OG Logan back and take away the mantle from Laura for a while. Now, granted, in some books like X Men Red, she was fine, and like this was kind of still Wolverine until um, what was it? All new? All, no, no, it was the X Men Disassembled, I believe. Um, they just yeah. like. Yeah, it was it was when everybody got blasted off to that weird dimension, and Rosenberg's like, "I'm gonna kill all of the remaining X Men." And then Mar- Marika Samaki's like, "I'm gonna take Laura and Gabby over here," and like she they relaunched X23, and then it got canceled again. And it's just she is Wolverine. No one can take that away from her. And we're gonna go back to the beginning, and Mary is going to walk us through this amazing character. Okie dokes. Since this is kind of uh, the first time on the show where we've been looking at an entire solo series, um, I figured we could kind of break it down a little differently. That instead of, you know, uh, like last week, we were able to break down the story issue by issue and talk about the big points all the way through. But this is a book that has, what, 35 regular issues and a couple of annuals, so let's round off and say 40 issues. We would we would be here for a while if we tried to do that. So, I that figured... That would be a long time. That would be a long time. But I figured it would be really interesting if we kind of broke the book down into core themes and elements. Because, you know... Since her inception, Laura's main arc has always kind of tied into the notion of family. All right. But, um, and so, so when I was going through making the outline, I kind of picked a couple of different themes and that, um, all of these themes overlap as they should. So we're going to do our best to break this down while minimizing, you know, having to go back, you know, overlapping. Uh, in a sense, as, as it were. My brain just completely failed right now. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah, it's it's been a long day, so my brain's like, oh, you're saying words, but I'm actually not processing them right now, so good luck with that. But if you're listening... Okay. If you're listening to the episode, um, I'm kind of just going to assume that you're familiar with Laura's origin and if you haven't read All New Wolverine, obviously spoilers for the entire series. Yeah. But we can say she got her start on the best X-Men show ever. Don't at me. Yes. I'm gonna do that. Uh, Laura's, or, uh, Laura's um, not necessarily her origin story, but her first appearance. It's kind of a Harley Quinn situation where she was made for the cartoon. Um, 
and was just so well loved and the fans took to her so quickly that they're like wait a minute let's just pull her into the comic books we saw how that worked for harley quinn and it's just one of those situations that i know a lot of newer readers that if you tell them laura started out as a cartoon character it's kind of legitimate shock really oh yeah because with harley uh batman the animated series is a hugely celebrated series x-men oh god what generation evolution evolution thank you x-men evolution not really so much which is a crime absolutely it is a crime i loved you know super goth rogue and super goth scarlet witch yes but you know had the same problem that all the x-men cartoons were that it wasn't really collected because unless you had the uh um x-men the animated series vhs tapes you really couldn't find them anywhere else it's not even on disney plus now and it makes me sad you want to know the hilarious thing my, my mother-in-law still has the X-Men animated series VHS tapes. That's awesome. Yeah. No, she has the entire uh, series on VHS. Now, there's not a working VCR in the house. Oh, wait, no. X-Men, but... X-Men, X-Men Evolution is on Disney+. Plus. I'm freaking crazy. I don't know what I'm doing later. <laughs> I might have to use a free trial because I'm not paying for that crap. Hey, I'll hook you on the profile. Works for me. I guess you have seven, so I'll hook you up with one. Oh yay! Anyway, back to <laughs> back to the task at hand. Other than you know conspiring to share profiles here, um, but just as kind of a brief you know overview, all new Wolverine takes place like like James said after um, Logan's death, pretty imme- pretty soon after because there was uh, the weekly series Wolverines, which followed death of Wolverine, which was. Strange to say the least. <laughs> that, you, that, yep. I mean, I feel like the whole book was written just for Mystique to be a dick in the end. Yeah. I'll agree with that. But um so eventually Tom Taylor gets on all new Wolverine. And you know, when I heard that Laura was gonna be Wolverine, I was very excited because that's kind of the the next step in her uh, <laughs> evolution, if you will. But up dum dum ching. And um, Tom Taylor decided to do something very interesting, but very tricky when it comes to X-Men writers, introducing new characters. And now they make new mutants all the time, but those mutants typically only stick around for a little bit and fans don't really pay a lot of, pay a lot of attention to them. But, and especially when he, you know, Taylor was in the lead up. Taylor's like, hey, you know, she's going to have a sister. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing? Because <laughs> I was I was skeptical of shit. I didn't actually pick it up until about five issues in because I was so skeptical. I remember picking it up right when I was getting really frustrated that pa- Power Man and Iron Fist was getting re- uh, derailed because of Civil War 2. And then I saw Laura was Wolverine on the shelf and I was like, all right, I'm down. <laughs> Because I had been a, like a long time Wolverine fan for years, like like even especially when I was working on coming out and Dakin was a thing, I was like, oh yeah, I'm down, and I went back and read so much Wolverine crap, and I fell in love with Laura. So the idea of her being Wolverine was very intriguing. I love that Dakin's like rebellion, if you will, is to have a slightly more orange Wolverine suit. 
Yes. <laughs> dark Wolverine, and, but he's wearing orange. And then when they did the Dark X-Men, he went full red with it. And I was like, really, bro? Really? Bro, it kind of brings me back to what Birds of Prey had said, where it's a weird way to impress your father. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I still have those Jai signed Dark X-Men covers around here somewhere. Oh, total side note, James, I got two of the five edits back from this new cat. Thank you. Also, uh, Mary, I, I, we need to talk C2E2 plans, because I need to send you some money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we gotta book that hotel still. But, okay, let's, let's just go ahead and jump into the story. I've kind of broken it down arc by arc with the first big theme that I pulled, which is family. And... You know, given her relationship with Logan and Sarah Kinney and, you know, um, even uh, Deborah and Megan, family has always been a point of contention for Laura. But in the Four Sister story arc, Laura discovers that she not only that, you know, the X program, the X-23 program has been continuing, but, you know, there is a group of clones that she runs into that are genetically her sisters, if you will. And I don't want to get too deep into that story arc because it, like I said, we'd be here all night if, you know, we just sat here and blasted through the whole thing. But there are three sisters. Um, There's Gabby, who, you know, we will obviously talk more about later on. There's Zelda, who I like, just, she's a MacGuffin, in my opinion. And then you have uh, Bologna. That may not be how it's pronounced, but that's kind of how I've always pronounced it. But um, we see uh, Laura and the girls get together and trying to, Laura in a sense kind of tries to liberate them from where they're being held and, god damn it. <laughs> see, this is what happens when I have to lead an episode. My brain's like, nope, just, just nope, you can't. You this. got this. I think it's just, it's the problem of, like, I my notes are overly detailed that I don't really know where to go. Um, what, 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 Alchemex are dicks. Yeah, no, they are. So Laura ends up working with the sisters to kind of try and get them out of that situation, and we find out that they're all dying. And this serves to be a huge problem later on. She essentially blackmails Doctor Strange into helping her out. I love it so much. And then and they break into, 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 into Pym lab just to get the Pym particle suit. And I was laughing my butt off. Mm-hmm. And Laura's need to protect this new family that she has quickly becomes obsessive. To the point where, you know, she enlists the help of Wasp to shrink down and go inside of Zelda's body, who is rapidly, who is dying quicker than the others because they have been injected with nanobites that um, have neutralized their pain receptors, but they also don't have healing factors like Laura does. So it's just kind of this big genetic mess. And Zelda does end up dying in the end. And it's, you know, the kind of the first bit that Laura can't save her and Bologna who we might talk about more later if we have time kind of goes off sort of abandoning Gabby who everyone was trying to protect so this kind of leaves Gabby in a sensitive place and 
that's more or less where the first story arc comes to an end with Laura agreeing to take in Gabby where Logan would not take in Laura. We're going to see that relationship expanded on more later. Which is so crazy because of the fact that they don't, they, they, Tom Taylor goes out of his way to basically say, Laura's going to do shit her way. She's not just going to walk through and keep having problem after problem like Logan does. Like, yeah, your past is always going to bite you in the ass because you're a Wolverine, but like, it's not going to be the same like Japanese fighting or the same this, the same that with Logan. But like, she has her own problems, her own rogues gallery and her own clones to worry about. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for this book, the next story arc ties into Civil War 2, and I hated that Marvel did that. <sighs> so we have this rando storyline. We have this storyline that is completely interrupted by the fact that they have to hunt down <clears throat> hunt down old man Logan because Ulysses has had a vision that Logan is going to kill Gabby. So Gabby and Laura have settled in the apartment. They're kind of getting used to being around each other. Laura's traditionally been on her own and now she's a big sister and doesn't really know what to do with it. So she starts kind of emulating Logan very heavily with how Logan treated her. Kind of as a, I'm, I'll protect you, I'll keep you safe. In a sense, kind of in, in the way that I read it, almost infantilizing Gabby a little bit. Now, to his to her credit, though, the going off of instinct, but also at the time, she didn't know Gabby had powers. Mm-hmm. Well, no, and that that becomes a huge plot device for the um, for the uh, Civil War story story arc because I kind of dropped off with that. But in the end of Four Sisters, um, it is revealed to us, the reader, that Gabby has powers because she takes Alora very quickly because you know Gabby has been through hell. Same with the rest of the sisters. The sisters tried to protect her because Gabby's, what, 12 or 13? But, but, you know, Gabby takes to Laura very quickly because Laura has kind of overcome her Wolverine, you know, her, her nature to try to be a better person. And Gabby wants to do that, too. So there's actually this really fun moment where she pops her claw out and stabs it in front of this guy. And she says, I want you to know this is how close you got. And then she says, bye, and skips away. Oh, like it, those, the innocence there. Like those two panels are so quintessentially who Gabby is as a person. And like, that's something that we'll get, uh, we'll get into more later about how... It's easy on face value to see Gabby as just a mirror image of Laura when in reality she is so much more than that. It was hard for me not to see that at first and like especially when you you it almost felt like Gabby had an expiration date especially when what what they do there at the end of the Civil War 2 arc where they have the whole moment of Logan is even like if you hurt her I will hunt you down. And and she says the same thing back to him. And, and like, you see that almost devilish smile from her. And it's like, this could go mm-hmm. badly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but in the Civil War II story arc, um, like I said, Ulysses has this had the, the dumbass property, the, the dumbass prophecy that so they have to hunt down old man Logan. And 
it's really interesting to see Laura and Old Man Logan kind of interact a bit. And I will keep calling him Old Man Logan to differentiate from 616 Logan. Yes. But it's interesting to see them interact because Tom Taylor adds a certain layer to the Old Man Logan mythos that not only did Logan did indeed have Laura, he raised her as his daughter. So there wasn't this, you know, strange touch and go that 616 and uh, Logan and Laura had that Laura was raised as his daughter. And we find out that the big twist of the story arc is that um, old man Logan knows exactly who Gabby is and knows exactly what she can do. Because in his universe, Gabby and Laura essentially killed each other in a fight. That, you know, Gabby's not this sweet, innocent girl. You know, she was trained as that assassin and she and Laura killed each other. So he kind of has that that innate hate for Gabby in the back of his mind. But what do you do when she's presented to you as like a 12, 13 year old kid? Yep. And he does he does make a genuine effort to try. And that is kind of where I do give him credit for that. And it's only after he goes feral that um, he ends up attacking her. And he, he you know, it, it's actually a full page spread of when he runs Gabby through with his claws. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, it's a really gruesome panel. Because, I mean, you know, this book is rated M. It's a parental advisory labeled book. But, I mean, it, it is strange to see that happening to a kid in a comic book, you know? Yeah. That I'm not sitting here clutching my pearls at it, but to add to, you know, just kind of the emotional impact that the scene has on Laura. Because Laura's standing right there when it happens. And Laura thinks that Gabby is dead at that point. And you see Laura pitted against old man Logan in a way that breaks his heart, but also breaks hers. And the dialogue of what she's talking about, she's like, you know, you're not him, referring to 616 Logan. He was loved. He'll be missed. You are nobody. And um, Laura is content to kind of turn her back on her principles because, you know, she's trying real hard not to kill people right now. Mm -hmm. She is ready to kill him because of what he did and you know that would be you could argue the logistics of that but the fact that that was a moment that she was ready to turn lethal again because he took gabby away from her much in the sense that gabby had taken laura away from old man logan so i think this is one of the first times you start to see the mirror being put up and taylor does this really well it's not played for oh my god here's a similarity yeah that it's very subtle but then gabby pops up and she's like no wait i'm fine i'm fine and she stops laura from doing it and that's when laura finds out what we already know that not only does she have a healing factor she also has this really cute singular little bone claw yep it's like each time we get a clone the the claw number just goes down it's just it's real funny and I think this, uh, the Civil War II story arc, as much of a crap, crap shoot as it is, it's a very well-written arc. I just hate that it's tied to such a stupid event. It really yeah. starts to um, uh, cement the relationship between Laura and Gabby that, you know, okay, they're 
operationally sisters, if that makes any sense, that Laura has allowed herself to have this attachment. Because Laura's always, and understandably so, has always been very reserved in her attachment. Usually she has problems admitting it, and it's this whole big thing. Because there's, uh, God, what's Sand? Uh, the mutant that can do all the crap with the sand. Is her name Sand? Husk? Because I know uh, she and Laura have a thing that's sort of gay. But uh, that's a topic for another time. It, it, it'd be better than her dating time displaced angel. Because I hated that. I, I hate it too. Like <laughs> you could. You, there might come. He pops up. <laughs> in, he pops up in Four Sisters, and it is very clear that he is more into her than she is than she is him. Yes, that was the entire relationship from all new X-Men in a nutshell. Like, Laura, you don't have to be here. Go, go just, just go. Like, get away from this. Like, just be better than this. Like, there will come a day where James just has a bitch fit and goes on a rant about why the time displays X-Men were a bad thing, and I'm going to have a great time. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, see, uh, even funnier, because I joked that uh, she kind of had this weird gay thing is that uh, Craig Craig Kyle, the original creator of X-23, did make a point to say that if he ever got to continue Laura's story, it would be that she would come out. That to him, Laura has always been gay. I'm cool with that. And I'm just kind of like, okay, bring him back. Let's make this happen. <laughs> I, I have like a stack of unpub like of unposted fanfics we can go through. Like Really? I mean, I don't have a stack, but hey, that's pretty cool though. But like, no, I am, I am here for that, and honestly, for her, her character, it makes sense. And this is me, and I like to reach and find things that probably aren't there, but that actually ties into a point that I have later. Ooh, yeah, because this is me. You, you, you guys know that I will find the gay in anything. but from civil war 2 we move on to uh enemy of the state and that has laura discovering that she doesn't necessarily have to be gabby's soul protector and that gabby is not her dependent because you know we find out that gabby has a healing factor she has the nanite so gabby doesn't feel pain and she has the bone claw we knew she was an accomplished fighter because of the four sisters story arc because you know like laura she was raised to be an assassin so gabby can hold her own but laura is still really hesitant as as one would be but she can trust gabby to help her too because this involves you know um pirates and all kinds of things like that and we see gabby kind of have to act on her own independently of laura and I think that actually kind of helps subvert the notion that Gabby is Laura's moral compass. Because all new Wolverine is Gabby's story just as much as it is Laura's. Mm-hmm. So um, that kind of, it, it shows us and, Ga- and, and Laura that Laura doesn't have to be Gabby's Logan or Gabby's uh, Sarah Kinney. That Gabby needs the support, but she doesn't necessarily need a parent. She needs a sister. Yep. And she just has to be Gabby's Laura. She doesn't have to be anyone else. 
And that's kind of the big thing I took away from this arc. Like I said, I don't want to dive too deeply into it, even though that's exactly what I keep doing. That's fine. <laughs> but um, this arc is some fun because Kimura comes back. Uh, Gambit makes an appearance. Jean Grey pops up. So it, it is just... Is it time to splice Jean Grey? No, no, no. Actual Jean. Thank God. Yeah, no. Actual Jean pops up because... Um, Kimura pops back up, and this is where we start to see the trigger set come back. This is where I fell off for a bit because the fact that I I came back around the time that she got in the black suit. Mm-hmm. That is uh, for the story arc after this one. But there's a really intense moment in the beginning <sighs> where Laura's trigger scent is reintroduced. That um, Gabby, uh, that Laura is trying to get her and Gabby out of New York City because, you know, Alchemex is popping, you know, is sniffing back around and things from Civil War are happening. And Laura's like, you know what, let's just get the fuck out of here. Let's go off the grid and grab Jonathan, who I cannot believe I have not mentioned yet. How dare you? How dare I? There's, <laughs> there's an absolutely bizarre issue where Squirrel Girl pops up because Laura has wronged the squirrel world. How dare what? she? So, so <clears throat> Laura's in for an ass whipping. <laughs> yes, because in the Four Sisters story arc, there's some there's a tracking device that Laura has that she pops on a squirrel and sends on his way. So, but uh, Squirrel Girl finds out about it, and Laura has wronged the squirrel world and must make it right. But Laura has wronged the squirrel world. <laughs> But she shows up at Laura's apartment holding an actual honest-to-God Wolverine. Because she thinks that it will help Laura to have an animal perspective on the situation. And Laura has to reveal to Squirrel Girl that she cannot talk to Wolverines. And oh it's my God. it sounds ridiculous, but it's one of those moments of just like genuine humor that this book has. And Tom Taylor is criminally talented. Like, it should be illegal for him to be as talented as he is. I agree. Go read Injustice and try to prove us wrong. Injustice, uh, the new Suicide Squad book, I mean. Oh, yes. Taylor, you know, he doesn't... It's not perfect, but he is damn talented. Yes. But when we are... um, but they decide to keep the Wolverine after that whole story arc is done because Gabby becomes very attached to him because, you know, you come home with a puppy to surprise the kid, but for Gabby, you come home with a Wolverine and she's going to keep it. I'm okay with this. (laughs) And she names him Jonathan, and at various points in the book, um, just all kinds of shenanigans ensue. They actually, um, in the beginning of the Enemy of the State story arc, they're taking him on a walk through Central Park. Like, he has the little harness and everything. They're just, like, walking this Wolverine through Central Park. Love it. That's such a a comic thing to do, and I love Mm -hmm. it. Oh, at one point, Gabby makes him a costume. He has, like, one of those little dominoes that Robin wears. Nice. It it is just too adorable. And I promise I'm not going to do this very often, but to kind of circle back to um, this uh, plot point from Civil War II... At one point, the four of them are in the apartment, Gabby, uh, Laura, Old Man Logan, and Jonathan, and somebody tries to break in. And it is just the funniest goddamn moment in the world because all of them just bust out laughing. 
<laughs> you, in a sense, have three Wolverines and an actual Wolverine in the apartment that these dumb bastards just tried to break into. Oh, yeah, and I just Googled the Wolverine. It's like a dog bear. Yeah, it's, it's a dog bear. <laughs> and it has really sharp, scary claws and teeth. Yes. But, um... Circling all the way back to uh, the enemy of the states, right? I'm I am all over the place. I have this nice detailed little outline, and I'm just all over the goddamn. Place. Hey man, it's good. It's good. I'm having fun with this. I like this. Yeah, but in Enemy of the State, we're reintroduced to Laura's trigger scent, and there's this really intense scene in the beginning where Laura's just trying to get gas or ask directions, or I, I don't remember precisely what she's doing, and she notices that. Um, the trigger scent has been released and she tries to tell these people to run. And for the entire um, story arc, it's presented that Laura has slaughtered an entire small town full of people that she believes that she has absolutely just massacred all of these people because that's normally what happens when she gets, when uh, her trigger scent pops up. But what she actually did was drive her own claws directly into her brain. Damn. And because in, in a half second attempt to stop herself, she just takes her claws and just drives them directly into her brain. But, you know, it's Kamora and the rest of the bad guys are able to use that, like, oh my god, Laura, you killed all these people. But uh, Enemy of the State is probably one of my favorite story arcs just because, you know, it's the first one where each part of the arc it, it's just a bunch of moving parts that it all works together very well i'm not saying that the previous two arcs are bad it's just enemy of the state is where things kind of start to get going because they go to madripoor laura has to deal with kimura again like gambit throws a can of beans instead of playing cards oh god yeah he uses a can of beans instead and it's, it creates this massive explosion and he briefly considers considers switching from playing cards to beans i love it but uh moving on from this we have the immune story arc where in my opinion it has the underlying theme of family unity it in the first half of the arc frankly is just to kind of introduce that introduce dakin into the book Dagen! because an alien lands and uh inadvertently a plague is released upon this area of new york city and when the alien dies it's talking about laura kinney so you know shield brings her in it turns into the whole big thing and the wolverine family if you will has to come together because their healing factor coupled with other plot devices are what can cure people so you you have um laura and gabby uh they bring back old man logan to kind of reconcile what happened uh deadpool is there because he also has a healing factor and then dakin comes as well so the five of them kind of have to basically just walk around and touch people but it proves to be too much and so gabby has to tap out early and uh, everybody but Laura has to tap out at some point. But, uh, however, I do think that um, most of the character development from this arc does come from Jonathan, ironically. Because <laughs> the, the whole plague thing, you think, would span the rest of the arc, but it actually doesn't. 
once the plague is once the plague is cured, they Laura goes off to space to try and figure out what the hell happened. I kind of think Tom Taylor just wanted to write the Guardians of the Galaxy because that's who they pair up with for that. And Gabby doing the sensible thing brings Jonathan with her. And uh, at one point, so they're trying to, this is kind of a messy arc in my opinion, because they're trying to figure out what the cause of this plague was. They're with the guardians of the galaxy and the brood are there. Oh no. Yeah. Oh my god. It, at one point <laughs> like and it's all happening at the same time. That so they get to this this alien research facility and they're trying to figure out what's going on then the brood pop up and the guardians are there and it's just it is so much. It is so much. Like Gabby becomes a brood queen for a hot minute. What? <laughs> yes, Gabby becomes a brood queen. I have all these up these issues in my long box, but I never read them. I was just collecting it for a while. Yeah. So a Wolverine clone becomes a brood queen. Yes. Yes. That is uh, fuck ass wild. <laughs> it, Gabby's nanites play into it a lot. It's part of what actually sets her apart from Laura. But um okay. I if I remember correctly, because I kind of speed read through the whole thing, and I'll admit I just kind of uh, just you know shot through that arc real quick because it's not really my favorite. But I I think the nanites have something to do with Gabby kind of being able to bust herself out of being a brood queen. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, I read 35-ish issues in the course of like three hours. Wow. Yeah. That's... Whew. Yeah. Speed reading. Woo. But I do think that most of the family development in the story arc does come from Jonathan because he's been kind of a cute little pet up until now. Like, he does things. He's adorable. He has teeth and growls a lot, just like the rest of them. But he ends up trying to protect Gabby during a brood attack and gets hurt because the brood are coming at her and he jumps in while wearing his cute little costume and bites one of the brood and gets flung off and he um, he hits the wall and he's actually he's hurt so Rocket Raccoon towards the end of the story arc Rocket Raccoon is trying to figure out what's wrong with Jonathan but he can't communicate so Rocket just slaps the universal translator on Jonathan and Jonathan is able to speak for a little bit oh wow and now it, it's very broken because he doesn't know how to talk, obviously. So it's it's broken syntax and all that shit. And he ends up professing his love for um, Gabby and Laura, saying that he loves them. Uh, he calls Laura the angry one. <laughs> he says, you know, uh, thank you and angry one for taking me in, for liking me. Uh, he says, uh, we'll die for you. Because, Damn, I really like Jonathan now. <laughs> yeah, he says, we'll die for you, also hungry. <laughs> he, he makes it a point to point out that he is hungry. And Jonathan is um, a wolverine that was from an animal testing facility that Squirrel Girl had been able to get him out of. So he also lost his family as well. There's, um, an, there is an issue where Gabby and Deadpool end up having to go back to the facility because because uh, Jonathan wants to find his family, and it it's actually really pretty dark Damn. that uh, his brothers and sisters were tested on, have been killed, 
our zombies and our zombie wolverine dog fighting. And oh. and Jonathan has to experience that and it's really pretty sad. Because Tom Taylor could write in zombie wolverine fights while making it very emotional. Yes. Yeah. So I think a lot of the development in that art comes from Jonathan uh, professing his love for the girls that, you know, saying that he'll die to protect them if he has to. That, you know, he's not just a pet at that point. He is part of the family. And this moves us into Orphan of X, which I believe is the strongest of all the family narratives here. Um, The Orphans of X are a group of folks who have lost loved ones or have been personally victimized by um, Logan, Lady Deathstrike, Logan, Lady Deathstrike, uh, Sabretooth, and others with those kinds of powers. Sounds like y'all got a grudge. mm Mm-hmm. And naturally, this draws Laura and Gabby in their path, where, again, they meet up with Dakin. Dakin! But the very surprising thing is that this sees the return of another character, sort of, that we didn't think we'd see again. Uh, most shockingly, it it's Sarah Kinney comes back. Oh, shit. But is it Sarah Kinney? Oh, shit. Yeah. But uh, we also see Deborah and Megan come back, who are uh, Sarah's sister and niece, respectively. They are pretty large characters in the original X-23 run, because after Laura escapes the facility, she finds uh, Deborah and Megan, and they do take her in until shit hits the fan and Laura has to leave them. So that was kind of Laura's last big attempt at trying to find a family. So Laura, Gabby, and Dakin have to come together to rescue old man Logan and to a lesser extent, death strike, uh, saber tooth, all that kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. And it's Laura having to rescue them, confront these other people and try to make peace all at the same time. I mean, at least this is during the period where saber tooth wasn't a dickhole though. I mean, there is that. Admittedly, he really doesn't have much to do. He just kind of sits there and gets shot. I can't remember. Is this before or after X-Men Gold and Blue? Um, shit. Because that determines been... if, he, if he was still running with um, Magneto or not. Um... Orphans of X. Uh, do, 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 do. 2018 X-Men Blue. Tw- um, oh, yep. Yeah, X-Men Blue had already started. So, yep. That was after he had left the Uncanny X-Men. So, yeah. He was free game for, for, for fun like that. What I think is hysterical is that... Um this story arc because it's a wolverine book we're going back to japan yes <laughs> they end up going back to japan but um the uh muramasa sword actually makes a <laughs> and laura gets some dope armor that is made along similar lines and it, it is a very cool story arc it's got some of the best action and we see um 
like I said, the, some of the best family development because this is really the first time that um, Dakin and Laura can openly embrace each other as siblings. Because it's been kind of a strange relationship between the two of them because, you know, you have Wolverine's, you know, biologically conceived son and, you know, uh, his sort of clone. I forget in what issue of it's some Avengers book that Laura pops up that Taylor actually retconned Laura being his clown. That uh-huh. yeah, uh, basically Taylor retconned it to um, that she isn't that Laura isn't Logan's direct clone, but she is also the biological daughter of Sarah Kinney. Oh. Mm-hmm. Not that, you know, they did the devil's tango or anything, but that um, in the in the development process, one of Sarah Kinney's eggs was used, and she is technically the biological daughter of Logan. I, oh, okay. I don't... It, it's an issue of an Avengers book. It's an issue of an Avengers book, and I don't remember which one it is. I'll have to do some poking around, but I know that that has been retconned. Okay. But no, it's it's got some of the best action. There's a lot of fun family stuff going on. Sarah Kinney, maybe or may not be Sarah Kinney. It, oh. it, it it's not. It's an it's an orphan of X thing. Oh. Yeah, they they get pretty pretty uh pretty scary at times, actually. Because usually this isn't one of those throwaway people think mutants are bad group. Like they have legitimate motivations to be scared obviously they have they have a motivation to be scared but not take the the radical extremes that they do but you know it's taylor of course it's complex he managed to take the whole regime narrative from the first injustice game and make it good yeah but um Dakin also is the one that ends up giving Gabby the name Honey Badger. I thought she made that up. Mm, it was Dakin. Because she was trying. Honey Badger? Honey Badger. <laughs> you didn't know. Yeah, Gabby for, for a period of time is Honey Badger. Because she's lamenting the fact that she doesn't have a cool superhero name. Like, you know, she's not Wolverine. They've both been Wolverine at some point, and that she's just Gabby. And Dakin casually tosses out that she should just be Honey Badger because she's sweet but deadly. Okay, that makes that makes sense. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a really related forest creatures. Yeah, <laughs> but there is a festive moment there where Gabby's like, "Oh my god, it's perfect!" And so around her is kind of this meta shot of all of the famous Wolverine covers. That's just her, but it says Honey Badger instead. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, like I said, it's one of those moments of genuine humor that Taylor is easy to work in, that Taylor easily works in without making it seem overly cheesy. But moving on from this, the book is kind of starting to wind down a bit, and it leads us into our last story arc, which is Old Woman Laura. Ooh. And it is an alternate future storyline, and he makes it, because obviously anytime Marvel does a future storyline, it's a alternate future and i'm using air quotes over here but um 
Laura is now. It's 20 years later, I believe. Yes. And it and, and it opens up where we see Wolverine jumping around doing some shit. Uh, and um, it has Wolverine has laser claws. Whoa. It's a laser claw. What? <laughs> laser claw. Jedi Wolverine. <laughs> yes. Um, it's an inhibitor that uh, when the claw pops out, it's you know it's essentially a lightsaber claw. And we find out in the opening. We quickly find out in the opening scene that it's not Laura, it's Gabby. Because um, Gabby's running down some uh, weapons traders off the coast of Madripoor. And ends up getting blasted through the chest with like this massive cannon. And she looks down and, you know, just she looks down at this massive hole in her chest and she's kind of like, this was really unnecessary, guys. Damn. But it's 20 years in the future. Gabby has fully taken over as Wolverine. And Laura is Queen of Madripoor. Kamala Khan is fucking president. Mm, Kamala Khan is president. Um, It's just, it's great. It's great. God damn. Tell her to go buck wild in there. I think Tom Taylor was just like, you know what? Middle fingers to everybody. Kamala Khan's president. (laughs) Well, I mean, he, he does the outrageous well, as you guys cited Injustice, because I'm just thinking mm-hmm. of, like, humor peppered in. It's like, why does Lobo have a Green Lantern ring? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, Kamala Khan is president. Laura is queen of Madripoor. Gabby's running around here as Wolverine. And um, it, it's kind of where the theme of family starts to draw to a close. Because one of the sisters in the first story arc, Bologna, just kind of leaves at the end after Zelda dies. And, you know, we have kind of that lost sister thing still hanging in the air. So Laura decides to um, go rescue her lost sister after revealing to Gabby and everyone that she's dying. She's experiencing some kind of cellular breakdown, and you know she's rapidly running out of time. Oof, damn. And it's really kind of heartbreaking the way she reveals it to Gabby because it's so matter of fact. Because you know, like I said, Gabby gets those those gun runners, and she gets back, and you know they have this witty banter, and um, you know Gabby pulls out some food, and they're talking, and. Um, Gabby is married at this point in time. She's married and has a couple of kids. And this is kind of where it starts to get a little interesting because X-Men Red was running simultaneously along with um, All-New Wolverine there towards the end. And there's an offhanded comment in um, X-Men Wolverine that indicates that Gabby might be gay. Because... um, newly resurrected Jean Grey, who was leading the X-Men, has to essentially use herself as a kombui and, um, you know, gets in everyone's head and is able to um, communicate. Uh, she's a communi- She's a psychic communicator, basically. And Gabby makes an offhanded comment about how she's still trying to process her feelings, that she has the feelings um, related to seeing a girl on the bus and she wants kind of Jean to not address that because she's still trying to figure it out. And it's not exactly tongue-in-cheek. It's it's a very deliberate line. And it kind of, you know, adds to the 
is he is Taylor trying is Tom Taylor trying to say that Gabby's gay? Well, in the scene where um, in the old woman Laura story arc where Gabby comes in and you know she and Laura are bantering, Laura asks how um, Gabby's spouse is doing, and there are no pronouns used for the spouse. It just says Taylor. The spouse's name, weirdly enough, is Taylor. <laughs> and I, I don't think it has anything to do with Tom Taylor being weird. I mean, Comic Skate was running with that around the time that Tom Taylor married his own comic character. Oh my god. But <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, that uh, Tom Taylor had been um yeah, I'm just not even gonna finish that. Let me unpack that real quick. So the guys with body pillows, with their favorite anime girl on it, were making fun of Tom Taylor for potentially marrying his own character. Yeah. Uh, I think the the use of Taylor was for a couple of different things. One, Taylor is actually a very gender neutral name these days. Yes. That I know, you know, plenty of people who identify as men who go by Taylor. I know plenty of people who identify as girls that go by Taylor. It's a very gender neutral term. And there is actually almost an unnecessary repeated use of the name Taylor when the two of them are talking. It, it is very deliberate to the point. It seems a little messy, but I think Tom... Taylor, uh, Tom Taylor is kind of all these Taylors are fucking me up, man. I think Tom Taylor is trying to make it very apparent to the reader that he is avoiding the use of pronouns to kind of leave it open either way. Personally, personally, I think um, he was trying to indicate that Gabby is gay. But I'm wondering maybe if Marvel had reservations because she's, what, two degrees away from Wolverine? Yeah. But the point that uh, I wanted to kind of tie all together is that if Craig Kyle was talking about the fact that Laura, to him, Laura was always gay and Gabby is Laura's clone, does that mean they're both gay? Oh! Uh Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, I'm okay with this. I'm okay mm-hmm. with this. Yeah, because like I'm gonna try to process like like do you do you pass your sexuality onto your clone? But then that also adds to the argument of Logan being queer, which the fan community loves to run with. So yay! And you know, not only that, but Dakin's bi. Yup. <laughs> just 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 queer the whole family. Queer the whole freaking squad. I'm down. Well, to be fair, Logan has sex with everyone. Yes, and he's in, <laughs> he's in a polyamorous relationship with Scott and Jean right now, which is canon thanks to Hickman. So, like, and all their bedrooms are nearby. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, <laughs> he's boning Cyclops. I mean, Whew. normally I'd say he's a bear, but I don't know if that applies here. Can you be a bear if you're Wolverine? Yeah. He'd be a silver bear at this point. But like, he was a he would he, he would be. He was a silver bear 60 years ago. Yeah. Like I mean, like, 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 technically, old man Logan would be the silver bear, but in terms of age, Logan would qualify as the silver bear. So, well, like, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that's just kind of the 
fun that's just kind of the fun point that I wanted to tie it all together is that if Tom Taylor's over here trying to hint that Gabby is gay and Craig Kyle says to him that you know Laura has always been gay and you know Hickman's bringing in the fact that you know Wolverine Logan's over here in a relationship with Scott and Jean like Dakin's by just make the whole family queer this is X-Men damn it everybody's gay I'm okay with this <laughs> But that wait, wait, is, I'll pass the gay judgment. Wolverine's gay. It's okay. Like I said, that is my super gratuitous point. I love it. I, I'd almost actually say that Logan's probably pansexual. Like I, I don't think he cares. Like if he can have sex with you, then like he, he'll be more than willing to have sex with you. Right. Like I feel like Logan is at this point where he goes, "Uh, okay, yeah, you make my pee pee tingle. Let's go." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, panel to panel canon, Logan is queer. Uh-huh. This the whole it's the whole gene pool, fam. Yeah. <laughs> but what does that say about Sarah Kinney? Is she the only straight out of the search she gave you? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, when I was writing the outline, that's when I kind of started to pull all of these little bits together. Be- because, you know, when I was reading it, um, and part of me joked that, okay, Laura's clone is gay. Does that mean Laura's gay too? And as, you know, later when I'm writing the outline, everything just kind of fell in place. And I'm like, this is perfect. And I love it. And I have to bring it up. Yes. But uh, the whole old woman, uh, the old woman Laura story arc is Laura reveals to Gabby that she's dying. And she does it very matter of factly because, yeah. you know, kind of going back on my rambling, um, you know, Gabby's brought food, they're talking, you know, Laura asks how the family is, that kind of thing. And then she reveals, oh, by the way, I'm dying. Past the napkins. Uh, 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 uh. And Gabby starts This is how this is not how you announce these things. <laughs> and that's when Laura says that she, you know, she has she's having some kind of a cellular breakdown and actually went behind Gabby's back and had Gabby and her two sons tested and they actually they don't have this same thing so and uh Gabby's kids or names are uh Logan and Wade I love it <laughs> because Gabby actually wow. Gabby actually has a really um genuine friendship with Deadpool yes that at one point in the immune store because they're both a little zany and um at one point towards the end before they go off in space in the immune story arc, um, Gabby actually cuts off her middle finger and gives it to Deadpool. And he is just so, so touched that it will insult him forever. (laughs) And and he loves it so much to the point. He starts to cry. He loves it so much. I love it. So no, her two son's names are, uh, Logan and Wade, and they are apparently a handful because Gabby is a handful. And whoever Taylor is, I feel so bad for them. <laughs> but, oh, that's great. But they got, Laura decides to tie up loose ends. Uh, the, the the lost sister is inexplicably being held by Doctor Doom because Madripoor, I guess. Of all people. And so she gets to team up with, like, old-ass Carol Danvers, and she kind of assembles this team. 
And, it, and old ass Maria Hill. Maria Hill. I think Kate Bishop's there too. Yup. It's just it's it's great. They just call all the women for one last swing at the hit, and I'm like, yes, I'm so down much, with this. Pretty much. And it's supposed to culminate with this, you know, Laura saves her lost sister. You know, everything kind of works out. And, you know, she is ready to die. You know, she's done what she wanted to do. She's ready for the sacrifice. And Gabby says, fuck no. I, I love how, um, like, when uh, Carol and, and um, friggin' I and Kate show up, like, then they go, oh, a bird told us you were doing some stupid shit. And, and like, Gabby's just like, I regret nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so it, it's what would, nor- in a superhero book, what would normally be the big emotional climax climax of, you know, Laura did what she did to do. She's ready to sacrifice. She's ready to go. Gabby's like, dude, shut the fuck up. We are friends with some of the most powerful scientists and magicians in this universe. We can figure out what is wrong. <laughs> So she just kind of hoists her up and tells Laura to shut the fuck up. And Laura, surprisingly, for once, just shuts the fuck up. And that's how the book ends with kind of cementing that bond of sisterhood. That this family story arc has now come full circle. And, you know, we see it start very tentatively in the beginning to the point of where it is at the end. It is genuinely, for me, the biggest theme of the book is family. That uh, also Jan was here the whole time. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Janet Van Doombot. Okay, that, yep. that's cool. Janet Van Doombot. <laughs> but because um, uh, she gets stuck being real small and whatnot, and it's it is bizarre. And Tom Taylor's just having way too much damn fun with it. I love this. Like this literally just feels like the ultimate final bout for all these women, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Ironically, the uh, second theme I had on my list was Gabby herself, and I think I kind of tied that in with the first part. Yeah, you did. That, you know, they are, it is, Gabby is a reflection of Laura from the X-23 book, but it is not a carbon copy, if that makes any sense. What the, why does Doom just have random people in cages? Because Doom. Because he's Doom. He is my uh, he's old man Miles in a cage. Uh, some random woman as Captain America in a cage. I'm gonna go with Tom Taylor took a page from Al Ewing and made Gabrielle Cage oh, Captain America. Mm-hmm, I think and, so. And then random old man Daredevil and Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, there is there is a complete lack of exposition in the story arc, other than Laura is Queen of Madripoor. And then Thor's randomly here, too. I think it's Tom Taylor looking at his watch going, okay, I got like six issues left. What do I do? Uh, Fuck it, future Laura. (laughs) I love it. And it's like, he's just going to, he's going to do whatever the fuck he wants. Because like, it's the end of all new, all different Marvel and Marvel now. And he knows that Marvel doesn't give a fuck about all this diversity that he, that they were pushing. So he's just like, you know what? I'm going to do it all right here. And I don't care. Like, yeah, Thor's not a female anymore, but like, I'm still going to do it. Like, who cares? Something I can touch on with Gabby is, you know, because we talked about her being similar to Laura, but not a mere image of Laura. She's not some, you know, carbon copy that serves no emotional or narrative role. Yeah. But she inevitably falls into the same problem that a lot of newer mutants do. 
that she is nowhere to be seen now. Yeah, and like even Ian, like, like which cool thing Ian actually helped out with the shoutouts we did for our episode. He even says like Hickman tried to randomly change her name to Scout and then like didn't do anything with her. And it's it like she's just. I thought it was huh? Tamaki. I thought it was Tamaki that changed her name to Scout. Oh, it was Tamaki. It wasn't Tamaki. I don't know. But like he like he pointed out that Hickman just like has not used her whatsoever. Now, granted, Hickman gets props because he he changed Laura back to Wolverine, but like. Gabby's nowhere to be found. And this is kind of where Gabby does start to differ from other new mutants. So she falls into the same trap, but it, it's it's a little different because fans took to Gabby almost immediately. Because, you know, she wasn't just some replacement or some rando that we're never going to see again. She became a major character of the book. And is genuinely a very popular character. And, you know, after only Wolverine ended, she was still going in X-Men Red. And then X-Men Red ended. Um, then we go into X-Men Disassembled and she is off in the, the weird alternate universe mutant prison that was going on at that time. Yeah. I think it was Prisoner X. She was in that for a hot minute and those books didn't make any sense because the mutants who were in those books weren't supposed to be in the main timeline. But Danny Moonstar is in Prisoner X, but is one of the mutants who didn't get sent to the alternate universe. Yeah, that's about how much that is about how much sense. Age of I refuse to read that mess and I'm so much better for it. They're not good. I don't even know how I'm still reading Hickman's crap because that thing is a mess and a half as well, but it's good mess. It's a good mess. Yeah. But after, um, um, the just slightly before Hickman where Magneto kind of resets everything there at the end, we have not seen Gabby since. Uh, there has been no mention of her. She has in effect as where the narrative is right now has seemingly been retconned or is off doing something else. Now, Krakoa is a big island, so she may pop up eventually, but people aren't happy, especially in a book that the core theme was family and not only that, but family legacy that you know, Logan has this complicated relationship with Laura and Laura sets up having this complicated relationship with Gabby, but it becomes more. It's not just a repackaging of Logan and Laura's relationship. It kind of starts out that way because, you know, nobody really knows what to do. Laura's never done this before, but it becomes a very, you know, mutually beneficial relationship for the both of them and it is so emotional and significant and then it's just gone and i'm really pretty upset by it a lot of fans are upset by it and it's just been hard to deal with it's kind of messed up to be honest with you so you guys have any thoughts travis you can go first Oh, I'm the casual, so I'm like learning as we go. <laughs> See, oh, go ahead, Mary. I'm just gonna say, hopefully, anything I said just made sense because I feel like I just rambled for forty hours. I mean, I've gotten a pretty decent idea of what's happened so far without having read it. Like, especially the parts that I missed, I kind of got really digging into this, and it's like for me, I like it's the same thing with. Kate for me where it was like Kate and Laura were always meant to take over the mantles of their successors 
Kate was meant to take over for Clint. Laura was meant to take over for for, for Logan. And for for them to just spit in her face and bring OG Logan back felt like the worst thing they could possibly do. And that's why that's why when you suggested this, I was like, yes, let's do this because the idea of making this happen and shining light on her character was great for me. And to even go back because I have a whole long box of like one and two because two was worth like fifty bucks still because of Gabby's first appearance. And then I I fell off of buying the book for a little bit, and then I, I hopped back on when Marvel Now started. And it's just, it's such a good story, and Taylor can craft anything and make it into gold. Like, you don't even have to take our word for it. Go read Batman Annual number two from last year. And you can read his one story, his like, like, like few page story of B- B- Alfred and Bruce's relationship, and you will know how good of a writer Tom Taylor is. So when you bring that to a story like this, where you have a sisterhood forming and them still trying to like, like be bet, like be their own version of Wolverine. It's so good. And there's me ranting for like two seconds. So something that kind of existed on the periphery of my notes was uh, one of my famous reaches. Cause you guys like to know, I like to make something out of nothing. Yes. Do it. Hot takes. Do okay. it. Mary's hot takes. But I'm. Let's go. <laughs> I need to give you a theme song. I, I feel like Gabby is a certain kind of a narrative subversion, uh, because are either of you familiar with um, the theme called the datification of games? Sounds familiar. Basically. Um, that male protagonists are given young women to um, look after, to protect, to teach, to train. Oh, um, holy crap, yes. That, because, yeah. uh, um, what is it? Oh my god. Oh my god. The Witcher is a big one for that. Uh, the, uh, the Witcher, um, the, uh, the Telltale Walking Dead series, the first, uh, the first season. Yeah. Um, my God, what's that game? Fuck, I don't have a PlayStation. I'm never played. No, Last um, of Us. Last of Us. Thank you. Oh my God, I don't play on PlayStation. Last of Us was a big one too. Yeah. I, I've, I've actually never played it because I don't have a PlayStation. It's fine. I didn't finish it, so you're fine. But I mean, you know, Yo, you I was have, crying in the first five minutes. <laughs> but you know, you have things like The Last of Us, um, Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> um, so, so you know, and and it's not even you know, I'm not trying to make any kind of a point about what ge- video games say about women or anything like that. I'm talking specifically about how these male characters are in a sense thrust into a fathership role and in the sense of Bioshock Infinite quite literally I guess but um, if you take that theory and you go back to the original X-23 book it's kind of the datification of Wolverine because if you look at her origin in the cartoon that is the immediate conflict that they have. If you look at the movie Logan, it's the immediate thing that's there. I mean, it's the whole emotional high point of the film is when Logan is dying and Laura's begging for her daddy not to die. Yep, Shreya calls him dad crying. Mm-hmm. And you go to Laura being a central protagonist in her own solo series. 
And I almost feel like, you know, to have a character that young in a title that violent, uh, mature in the sense of, you know, violence, not in terms of content, if that makes any sense. I don't want mature to imply something sexual. But a, a parental advisory labeled book, is Laura kind of a datification of comics character? Because Laura's popularity took off almost immediately. And, you know, you have this young woman who, you know, a lot of these older male readers really took to. And it, like, like I said, it was just kind of this theory I was kicking around in my brain for a while. Like, is Laura kind of that character? Because, you know, eventually, even when she does meet up with Logan, it becomes a very strained father-daughter relationship. And so if you think about it in the context of that theory, and then if you turn around and try to apply it to Gabby, it becomes genuinely very interesting because Gabby is the subversion of that. That Laura is not, you know, Logan who was thrust into a fathership role. Laura tried to be Logan and realized very quickly that she didn't have to do that. So she kind of had to reject the notion of being a parent to be a sister if that makes any sense yeah i don't know it was just a theory that i was kicking around in my brain for a little bit i, I don't know it. i don't know if it made sense or not but it did I, it made just, absolute perfect sense i just saw that we had time and thought it would be interesting to mention i never fully quite developed the theory my note cards are full of scribbled messes so <laughs> but okay i'm down And honestly, for me, I feel like that's really kind of where it all comes to an end. I have these all separate points, but I think throughout the uh, the conversation, I ended up combining all of them. Honestly, looking over the the, the outline, yeah, you kind of did. <laughs> so no, that was that was some good stuff. Uh, is there anything you want to close with? I don't know. I just feel like I rambled the whole episode. <laughs> no, you did, you did good. Um, I have a pretty good idea of what we should do for next week that that's we will it. talk about off. Uh, 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 I, we'll, uh, we'll leave it okay. as a surprise. Okay, it'll be and a idea. I got, a, I got a, I got a pretty good idea. But um, so um, th this was a really good, good thing for me. I loved revisiting this. Travis, did you enjoy your time uh, learning from, from Professor Mary? Yes, this was actually really educational. Awesome. Okay. So at least I don't sound like a rambling idiot. I always feel like no. Okay. Don't forget, folks, that you can listen to this podcast on. Uh, I almost said panel to panel. What the hell? Uh, you can listen to this podcast on panel to panel. But now you listen to iTunes or well, slash Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, uh, um, YouTube, Overcast, a couple other things. But we don't support SoundCloud. And you can follow us on Twitter at PTP underscore podcast, where weekly we live tweet the episode as we're recording it and we put it up the, usually the, the next day or the, or the day, day after that usually we record on saturday but put up monday but tonight we recorded on sunday or we're putting out tomorrow for you good folks so you can check us out when we do that help retweet and check out some of the, the funny stuff we say before we bought the episode and you can follow the website on twitter and instagram on at on comics ground and you can check out the website on dash comics dash ground.com on the web so that way you can check out all of our reviews solicitations reviews all that good stuff and we will catch you folks next time uh, mary what is your closing statement for this episode of panel to panel um read all new wolverine it's a fun book like it really is and don't do not let my rambling deter you from reading it <laughs>
<laughs> Travis, what is your closing statement for this episode of Panel to Panel? Uh, the idea that Squirrel Girl is so adorable that she thinks everyone who's animal-related can talk to animals, but she beat Galactus's ass. Bro, <laughs> yes. Squirrel Girl is just amazing, and I, I, I am here for Just another level. <laughs> All right, and my closing statement, as always, is support your local comic book shop. Please support this girl, because honestly, Laura will probably be my Wolverine for the rest of my life. Like, James Howlett is my first love, but at the end of the day, his time had ended for me after when I was coming back into comics, and I needed it to be over, but he's here, and he's in a polyamorous relationship, but I don't care. So we are going to enjoy that factoid, and we will catch you folks next time right here at Panel 2 Panel. Peace out.